Hey, I can't find nothing on the radio. Uh, yo, turn to that station. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic, And we got ourselves a nice 45-minute interview with Sean Marash. Uh, we've done live streams with him, but never actually had him on the podcast. Uh, so he's going to be starting, like, he's going to be the new drive time. He's the third chair. He is not, like, a, a board operator. He made that very clear, even though Neil Best got that wrong. He's the third chair on the Evan Robertson Tiki Barber show that starts July 24th. So what better time to get him on than now? Justin, how are you? Yeah, Sean, Sean's a great guy. Um, you know, we've been, you know, friends Debatable. with him for, for the wow. We've been friends with him for for the last couple of years. So excited to see you know his rise. And I'll, I'll be listening to you know WFAM like every day. So I'm really excited for Sean. And you know, we talk some Giants, talk some radio, talk whatever. Yeah, drive time should definitely be better for Giants fans with WFAM. Yes. I think I, I think that's very safe to say. Like with Tiki. Tiki won. It's like Tiki, that's his number one thing is the Giants. And then Sean, obviously, he's very passionate about the Giants. Um, <clears throat> so we'll get into all that. No training camp schedule yet from the Giants. We've been trying to put pressure on them to do it. But I, I, I want it. I need it. And the Detroit Lions. Like, I've had Detroit Lions notifications on for a month. Just freaking release your training camp schedule, too. Need it. Need it. Why? I need it. Gotta have it. Uh, before we get into this interview, Justin... This actually, you know what? I'll save Patreons for the next episode because this is gonna be a long episode, and we got to do a lot of stuff before we get into this. Love you, Patreon. Uh, uh so Josh Vasial will announce you on the next episode. I promise. Uh, before we get into the interview with Sean Marash, the wait is almost over. This weekend, NASCAR is heading to the streets of Chicago for an unprecedented road course race through the heart of the city. And so are we. There's truly been nothing like this in NASCAR's 75 years of existence, and what an epic way to celebrate those 75 years of racing competition and innovation than with a one-of-kind event like this one. So, it truly is going to, like, I don't know what to expect out of this, because it's a very weird course, and, like, it's going to be interesting to see how these drivers, like, get through this. Um, and you can go and watch Ross Chastain, number one. He just mm. came off of his uh, win. My favorite driver in Ross Chastain. You see that car? Or you could see Kevin Harvick, the guy who replaced Dale Earnhardt. It's his last season, so it might be your last chance to ever see him race a race. Or you could see Daniel Jones' good friend, William Byron, driving the 24, who Jeff Gordon used to drive for. The guy that replaced Jeff Gordon is Daniel Jones' friend. Or you could see my favorite team, Harrison Burton and the 21 Wood Brothers, even though they suck. Uh, so you could see all those guys. Um there's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to, we will be there. Uh, the field will be even as, uh, will be even as ever, considering this will be ever driver's first time behind the wheel of this course, which I think is very fun for NASCAR fans or racing fans in general. Uh, the 12 twists and turns throughout historic Grant Park are sure to make for some unbelievable racing. And with playoff spots on the line, who knows what's going to happen? Did we mention it's the 4th of July weekend too? You already knew that. So make sure to get the whole crew together to celebrate the stars and stripes and turn the first ever Chicago street race on July 2nd at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. NBC. What channel is NBC for you? 
Channel 4, Bruce Beck. Ch- it's Channel 2 here. Shout out Bruce Beck. We love Bruce Beck on this podcast. Bruce, Bruce Beck is someone that we should have on the podcast that hasn't been on. Wow. Bruce NBC, Beck does like- a, NBC does a good job covering NASCAR, so shout out Dale Jr. Yeah, they actually do do a, a good job covering So, like, my friends who are kind of F1 snobs, now nah, they are going to, like, tune into this because, like, they're just like, I want to see what this looks like. Yeah. Um, and I've always said, like, if you don't like racing, fine. Like, so, like, I, I had I had someone today say NASCAR's boring, and I said F1's better. I was like, hey, if you think F1's better, that's fine. If you don't like racing, that's fine. What you can never say is that NASCAR is boring compared to F1. NASCAR is at least going to give you some freaking action, so I'm excited for it, uh, and we will see you guys there. Um, but what's before then is this interview with Sean Marash. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast, play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we now welcome on to the program. New. It start, doesn't start till July 24th, but it's new. The host, third chair on the on the Drive Time WFAN program, Robertson Tiki, Robertson and Barber, Sean Marash. What's the name of the show again? Evan and Tiki. Evan, Evan and Tiki. Tiki. Evan's, okay. Evan's earned his stripes to have number one up there. Okay. Wow. Evan. Evan and Evan and Tiki, you're the you're the third man on that, despite what Neil Best said. How you doing, man? I, we've had you on a bunch of live streams. I think this is your first time on the on the podcast, though. I thought about that on my drive home today. I said I know I've been on with Bobby and then Bobby a couple times solo. I kind of feel like every time Justin can't make it on a live stream, suddenly it's me popping on. But uh, yeah, I think this might be my first time on Talking Giants, man. So Talking Giants versus the world. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Wow. Uh, thanks. Thanks for jumping on. Um, I do want to talk about all the WFAN stuff because sure. I mean, me and you talk on the phone. I'm I'm a nerd about all that stuff. <laughs> you you do uh, love radio, yes. Yeah, and I don't even listen to radio, but I'm like a nerd about radio. Like the only conversations me and John Boy have are about radio. Like <laughs> if like you go, it's like today was a congrats on the kid. The last three conversations we had have been about like WFAN and radio. When he had on was what Sweeney, the Sweeney guy Murdy? Sweeney Murdy. Yeah, when he had yeah. him on. Um, and then you, uh, the new the new changes you guys made, but we're gonna talk Giants football to start. Um, how I mean, how are you feeling going into this season? Are you are I, I'm a little nervous because it's like okay, I, not only like we have expectations to win because we won. Well, so my biggest thing, and I I think because the offseason is so long, Bobby, Justin, I, and maybe I kind of feel like Justin might appreciate this a little more because I feel like he's a little sick and demented like this, but sure. I've gone, I've reached this portion of the off season. I won't give my win record. Cause hopefully I catch you guys at training. Camp. Yeah. That's yeah, a training I'm, camp thing. I'm extremely positive about the season. How could you not be um, extremely positive that they're going to take the next step, but I've now transitioned into looking the roster and trying to say, Oh my goodness, who's going to get hurt. That's going to kill us in training camp. That is now the portion of the offseason where how many times can I think they're think positively? I've now moved on to my negative thoughts, and I'll get through those before we actually get to training camp. Part of me wants to get that out of out of, out of the way too, so I can stop doing the phrase like "if they're healthy." Like yes, I, kinda, I hate that. I hate that. that. That's my most annoying phrase of the offseason is "if they're healthy" because it's and you know what's like, going to happen. Not going to predict this. I'm not going to predict this guy to get injured, even if he has a history injury, injury history. No, but it's like like when we talk about Sterling Shepard. When it's like, man, he kind of is like the sixth wide receiver if everyone else stays healthy, but he's the one that usually doesn't stay healthy. Yeah. So it's just like, I just want to get through camp and see who's healthy for the season. Are we not at a point where we're brainwashed, especially as yeah. people who kind of like 
cover the team year in and year out, you know, really analyze it. You know, as fans, you're, you're always going to be optimistic, but now it's like, yeah, man, like I, I've penciled Sterling Shepard to miss at least four <laughs> to six games since 2020. Well, and how could I you started not? like, I started like covering the giants, like really good at like 2019. So it's like, all right, this is really a thing that's going to happen. So I'm like brainwashed for what, especially like the wide receiver room. Cause that's yes. the position that it always hits us. So I'm like, well, Waller is the one I hate using that phrase for because I was like, I want to get so freaking excited for him, but I got to have every conversation with if he stays healthy. And I hate, I know this is terrible and you don't want to think about it. And you hopefully everybody's healthy, but you know, everybody won't. This will be the year none of the wide receivers get hurt. It'll be some other position group that gets absolutely ravaged and we're going to be going nuts. But that's so to ask me how I'm feeling about the season, I hate to put a negative light on. I am extremely positive, but the offseason's now gone on so long that that is now the, the thought process that has started here as July is entering, going, all right, are we going to escape camp without a major injury? If not, where is it going to happen? I hope, but here's the positive. Uh, view you could have is with this coaching staff I think unless Daniel if Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas are healthy I think we can get by I think the roster is in a lot better place to get by than they were last year so I think with this coaching staff as long as Daniel Jones or Andrew Thomas aren't injured and maybe even Daniel Jones if you're playing like the right stretch of bad teams for Tyrod Taylor to play I think I think we can get by. I agree, and I would still say Dory Jackson's number three on that list for me because you know who knows how long it takes Deontay Banks to be, you know, a really good starting corner. But I'm I'm with those. I agree, but they I mean they finished the season like six seven games without a Dory Jackson last year too. They so. did, but I don't know that they survived sixteen games without a Dory Jackson if we're agreed, talking about a agreed. training camp injury. Yeah, yeah that's sure. okay. That's fair. Uh, the first question I had on the thing is most impactful addition to the team, not named Darren Waller or Bobby Okereke. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, it's probably going to be Paris Campbell, I think, personally. I thought you go we, that way. We want to talk about the wide receiver room. Uh, I believe that Jalen Hyatt will be a factor at some point this year. How could you not, right? They spent the third-round pick on him, traded up, but that's I don't think that's going to be right away. Uh, I know that this is a very pro-Darius Slayton podcast, and I am pro-Darius Slayton to begin with, too, but I, I think that the Giants are probably not in a good position in their wide receiver room if we get to late December and Darius Slayton is one of their two leading receivers. I think the expectation for Hyatt, is, especially to step up, what happens with Hodgins, but I think Paris Campbell's the X factor there. I think it's not just about Wandell Robinson not being on the field, however long his injury recovery takes, whatever he looks like. I think that this team really views the signing of Paris Campbell as a guy who hasn't stayed healthy a lot in his career, stayed healthy last year with the worst quarterback situation in football, uh, and I think that views him in like a Debo Samuel type role and if that's going to be the case I mean with all the respect to how good Richie James was at times last year I think the Giants offense has a chance to go next level with the way that this coaching staff gets creative with Paris Campbell I think that's a very under the radar signing league wide because I don't think that Campbell would have the same value to other teams the way he could with the Giants with Abel and Kafka so to me it's got to be Paris Campbell because this offense needs to score more points yeah and they got him on a bargain because of the I hate having this conversation again because of the injury history, you know, which is this is the first time where like Paris Campbell is someone we covered in the draft. and I loved like I loved him and Terry McLaurin, uh, but it's just like every year. So I can't get health, can't stay healthy, can't stay healthy. And then you yeah. like you said, you mentioned last year with the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. He was able to put together some halfway decent numbers despite to that. me the best preview podcast that you guys did last last year was the Giants Colts podcast why because I'm a sucker for when you three do the fantasy draft and re- remember how many how hard it was to pick Colts in their 
Tennessee drafted talking about, you know, Paris Campbell with all, but you're like, think about it. They had nobody to get these guys the ball. So Paris Campbell finally staying healthy. You saw the play he made down the field versus the Giants. Daniel Jones could get him the ball and they will find ways to make excuses to get him the ball. So as, as I mentioned, all those names in the wide receiver room, I just think they're going to be the most creative with Paris Campbell. And I think that changes everything for this giant offense. I usually don't go back and re-listen to like old shows to hear takes and stuff like that. But especially now hearing how much Paris Campbell has gotten the ball over the course of the spring and now the early part of the summer, yeah. um, you know, how he, you know, I, Hey, if there's like a replacement for like Richie James in the slot and being like a reliable guy, you know, at least until Wandell Robinson kind of comes back and even Wandell Robinson, I don't think is going to be, maybe use maybe like a Richie James because Wanda Robinson maybe is a little bit more gimmicky, whereas Campbell seasoned vet, a guy that can get separation naturally fast, obviously better than Richie James, but I'm just talking about in that same kind of reliable third down target. Yeah. Move, move the chain, stuff like that. So this is actually a really interesting conversation about, you know, who's going to be second on the team in like yards and and receptions and stuff like that, because we're hoping that Darren Waller's number one in all those categories and catches and yards and touchdowns and all of it. But I mean, Paris, Cam- I didn't know it was this much Paris Campbell, yeah. 63 catches last year, Darius Slayton, 46. Now Slayton had a ton yards, uh, re- you know, yards per reception, which, which cleared Campbell by about a hundred yards total, like receiving yards, but it's certainly a conversation. I think it's going to be like, I, I may be switching my take of like Darius Slayton leading the team as a receiver. Yeah. Like as a wide receiver, not in receiving yards, I may be kind of flipping it to Paris Campbell is definitely going to lead the receiving room in catches, possibly. Yeah, I could see I could see Campbell leading in receptions and then Slayton leading leading it in yards too. Could because that's the whole thing. They're going to put make excuses to put the ball in Campbell's hands. That's evident in the spring. They wouldn't be doing that. And, and I don't think Slayton's been... someone that they are. Like let's get let's get Clayton all his right. touches. You know, right? I yeah. I think Slayton enters every game knowing that look, he's reliable from the standpoint of runs every route, plays that outside speed defense factors in. But I don't think they're going to make a conscious effort to get Darius Slayton the ball. It'll be just him working open and running those routes that gets him there. Where I think they will make excuses to put the ball in Paris Campbell's hands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen like. Both of these coaching, or at least at least the Buffalo coaching trackers, like finding those those yeah. slot guys who have maybe not find like burst onto the season and then and getting a role for them. So yeah, Paris Campbell is definitely exciting, um, and that's why I wanted to say outside of Waller O'Karrake because there's obvious reasons for those. Is that where you knew I was going? Is that what you said? Well, it's just those are the really yeah. those are the most impactful additions. Uh, like you can after that, it's like you can have fun and actually give a real take. Right. Um, you know. Like you can make John Michael Smith, Deontay Banks. Sure. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. All right, required required question. We're three weeks out now. What happens with Saquon? I'll tell you this. I think Saquon, if he plans on holding out, is doing the worst job I've ever seen of somebody holding out. Including- He's not holding out. It's so weird. Like you can't even. You can't even like. Well, He's doing such a bad well, job that you can't even pretend that it's an yeah. option. Bro, you can't be at a high school having a catch with Daniel Jones when high school baseball players come up if anybody thinks that you're really threatening not to play. So I'm going to say he gets a long-term deal. I think it'll oh. look it'll look good for his camp in terms of, look, he won a little bit. 
but it's going to be a lot of fake money in guarantees, if you will. And it really will add up to probably what he gets over the next two years with the tag, plus whatever in that third year with maybe a really dummy fourth year, which balloons the number that he'll never get. Now that you're saying it, it's every time we have the conversations, like new things happen, you know, where like everyone's like, well, why doesn't Saquon leak out the guaranteed money? And it's like, well, maybe the guaranteed money is not as bad, but he is going for that $16 million average annual right. value. What if he's going for four years? Like we all like kind of view it on like a three year spectrum, but what if he's going for four years, you know, with three years of a guaranteed? And it's not that it's not that the guaranteed money is bad on a three year deal. Right. It's that, hey, they they want to give him a three year deal. And it's a four year deal with three years guaranteed that he wants. So I think there's I think the Giants are offering a lot more than anybody else would give. I think that's what it comes down to, and the Which Giants kind of scares that. me because I agree with you. It kind of scares me because you don't want to bid against yourself either. And I do wonder how much, um, dare I say, John Mara could meddle in this with like the franchise idea, the jersey sales, all that stuff. Like I, I hope that Shane's just allowed to operate the way he wants to operate. But you shouldn't bid against yourself either when all this is going on, just because Saquon's a good team guy, good community guy, all all of that. But. I, that's why I just think ultimately they will find a way to get it done. Maybe it's a little more money than we think, but I don't think it'll be some kind of running back crippling injury where we're looking back like Zeke Elliott with the Cowboys and you're wondering what if. And oh, by the way, as good as Saquon was last year, guess what? He wore down at one point because he got hurt again. And he had to play through it a little bit. And that still scares me with his injuries. Yeah, I have a question and it's – and I'd, I'd love to hear this from like NFL personnel. We are at this point in the offseason, so I get it could be a little bit of dirty business. But guess what? We've seen James Bradbury get a decent contract that, you know, later in the year. If you truly think you're offering more than anybody else is going to give him, and I think they are, why not do what one of Dave Gelman's few good moves is when he did with Josh Norman, rescind the tag, right? And maybe it wasn't a good move because he lost that year of Josh Norman on the Panthers coming off the Super Bowl, but it's like he ended up getting a, a big contract that was like regretted by you know the by Washington that gave it to him. Why not rescind the tag and be like, all right, this is our offer, man. If you can beat it, go beat it. But I don't think you will. Probably don't like their contingency plans. Number one, number two, maybe Saquon's yeah, valued fair. a lot a lot higher than Dalvin Cook or whoever else. Where they do fear that somebody will strike in like an idiot. You know who who knows? Well, New that's England, the thing Arizona. is Cook has got nothing. So exactly. Far. Exactly, but maybe Saquon is viewed that way differently in the league, and we're too close to it. But also, I do think Saquon is viewed like as good as Cook's numbers were last year. If I mean, we played the Vikings twice. Cook did not look like the same Cook that we've seen in past years, despite having solid numbers. And let's also be real: if you were going to rescind the tag, how bad does it look not holding on to Julian Love when you could have tagged him then as well? I think now that you have it tagged on him, you cannot lose both Saquon and Julian Love this offseason. Yeah, I guess. I guess. That's where I guess I'm answering my own question. It's like it's good for the Giants to play Saquon Barkley on the franchise tag because oh, you don't have to give him a long term deal. It's the ideal. It's the ideal situation. Now, my my only fear it's not it's not a fear, but I I just saw Brian Dable get so annoyed. This may be a thing. This may not be a thing. Sean, you you let me know, mm-hmm. especially for somebody who's like you know you're you're in media. Mm-hmm. Brian Dable got super so annoyed just by answering, you know, uh, what it was a, a relative a few Saquon Barkley questions throughout the spring, especially in comparison to the questions that he will get every single day during training camp if he holds out. Is it a stretch to say that having to answer to the media and having to answer where is Saquon Barkley, when is he coming back, when is he coming back, does that play an effect at all 
in terms of his appearance at camp to the contract negotiations and like it, Dable having to answer questions. Everything it like that. better not. That would be my easy answer. It better not because, you know, whenever we talk about can a coach, can a quarterback handle the New York media? That's part of it. It gets really annoying. We have pestering, pestering beat writers, um, some of which I like, some of which you know may not break as many stories as they should. But either way, we have really annoying beat writers for every team here, and that's part of taking the job. So if that's going to annoy you and, and make you go into Shane's office and that gives Saquon more money because they're tired of being annoyed by questions, then Dable's not the guy for the job. So my, my, my answer shortly would just be it better not. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I don't. I, I, and. What we've seen it there is like they ask the first couple of days and then it's like they kind of they kind of get tired out. It's like, okay, I want to ask other questions. Like you'll get yeah. Pat, you'll get one person every press conference, but they won't be asking like five in a row. Yeah, we need more dead snap questions, not not more Saquon mm. questions. Exactly. Right? We need to create some like, like I, I would say credit to, to Talking Giants. Like we created questions for, for the OTAs and the minicamp. So we got to create some questions for training camp. to we don't have to deal a bunch of Saquon stuff. Which might be a sad indictment on the Giants beat right now that, that you guys are really helping control questions because there's nothing left to ask. But, hey, it works, right? Well, to be fair, there really isn't very not, not much to ask in yeah. OTAs. Plus, Brian Dable, and he's Brian Dable doesn't answer anything either. Yeah, he's got that Belichick. Uh, he, he's Belichick fat with a beard, and it, it comes off as more charming. Yeah, and, and and they won, so it's yeah. it's a lot more. You know, if the Giants like if the Giants went four and thirteen last year, people would be like, "This guy doesn't say nothing. Exactly. He doesn't show urgency." It'd be like what Buck Showalter is like going through with the Mets <laughs> right now. Yeah, who may uh, not have a job by the time this is released, right? Yeah. Um, so, all right, I'm sensing I'm sensing a transition. Before we get back to Giants stuff, I want to talk some WFAN stuff okay. because I'm sensing a transition about you know kind of like asking questions and you know. Maybe the media, you know, the the quote unquote media getting some questions from us, and I'm know, wearing I, my media some clown shirt shoe, by the way. Wow, look at that! <laughs> look at that. Part of why I'm transitioning to this is because I feel like we we do our work and we try and do our homework, Indeed. and I think that we that we do some smart, intelligent stuff sometimes, and we do some dumb stuff sometimes too. And why I think the the pairing of you know uh, Tiki and Evan Roberts, and then obviously you as kind of like in that third chair. Why I think that pair is going to work, and I really hope it does work, is because I feel like a lot of sports media, and I sense this especially nationally, it's kind of not smart. It's not intelligent talk. It's very based on personality. It's very based on hot take. It's very based on what am I, how am I going to get a reaction out of people? Whereas, you know, this kind of new afternoon spot is with, you know, two main heads that are, you know, very passionate, but also very intelligent. And then obviously you as well joining that. So, Talk to me kind of about about you know, this kind of new show and you know how, how we think it's going to work out. Well, so first of all, there's like a science, right? You guys do the podcast. I'm not sure how many like radio classes you took in, in school or whatever. Zero. Yeah, so I was an intern back in 2010, worked my way up. But there's a science to this, right? People in their cars in the morning want to laugh their ass off. That's why morning show formats work and they could be a little more loose, especially in the sports talk, which is what I've been doing on CBS Sports Radio. Afternoons, by that time, you're in your car, maybe work's winded down, uh, and it's the idea of you want to be entertained, but you know what? You want to look forward to whatever games and get a little more sportsy in the afternoon. So where I think striking that perfect balance of 
also understanding the podcasting world, not everybody's listening live anymore. So you need to like kind of figure out how to mold this all in. I think where this show is going to work and what I'm most excited about is the fact that you have Tiki Barber, who I've gotten to know over years, which imagine telling eighth grade me I was going to be hosting a show with Tiki Barber, WFN Afternoons. I'd be like, what is going on? Um, he's the perfect, like, even-keeled athlete. He has opinions, but, like, he's super knowledgeable. He's one of the smartest people I've ever been around, and he will always give that athlete point of view. Evan is as nerded out a sports fan in a good way that you can be, and everybody's very familiar with his work at this point. And I'm kind of, like, hyper-tense neurotic sports fan that maybe screams and yells a little too much, but ultimately, you know, I will be there. And so I think that that kind of mesh of you're kind of checking a lot of boxes of what you're looking for in a sports radio show in terms of those personalities. And of course, Tommy Lugar, who's another giant fan working with us as a producer is a little nuts too, where I think it's really cool. And what WFAN has rarely had, I think one of the biggest complaints I've always heard on Twitter is this show doesn't talk enough about my team. That show doesn't talk enough about my team. Giants fans have complained about that forever. Like maybe there's not enough Giants voices on WFA. And I've seen that this show. If you look at the teams Evan roots for the teams I root for, of course, Tiki being a former Giant. Um, and then and Tommy's with us as well. Every single fan base, including the hockey fan bases, will have a voice on this show, excluding no offense, Bobby, the Devils. Other than that, mm-hmm. there's a Ranger fan, there's an Islander fan, Knicks, Nets covered, Giants football. You're going to have one of the greatest Giants of all time and one of the craziest Giant fans in terms of loses his mind in me. Like Giants football will be back as a presence on the fan, but every fan base is going to have a feel for that. And you, I think that you will be entertained, plus actually get the hardcore sports you're looking for and you're thirsting for an afternoon drive. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I'm really excited as somebody who kind of, you know, who kind of lives here and you know, now that, you know, I, I really take this personally with the Giants because the Giants are are my job. So yeah, man. when I, I hear you. Giants talk, that's like, well, that's not, you know, that's not right. This guy's not starting here. This guy's not actually playing here. Oh. Um, you know, J- J- I would I would hear on some on some sports shows, uh, you know, how I, you know how we feel about Jason Garrett. So I would hear on some certain shows. Well, Jason Garrett's a seasoned coach and he's a seasoned veteran and he's been around and he's not hurting. the t- It's like I want to gouge my eyes out. So. Right, which is why, which is why, what you guys have done is great because Giant fans have been able to find it. But you're right. So I will give you. I'm not going to release the show. It was another station. Somebody claimed to be a diehard Giant fan a few years back, and I'm in my car listening, and they were breaking down the offensive line, and they're going like left to right and talking about the Giant offensive line problems, and they utter out, you know, and then you got Pew sitting there at right tackle. Is he kind of? And I at that point, Pew was already moved to left guard. Yeah, and I remember sitting in my car going. How could you lie to yourself and say you're a giant fan talking to the giant when you don't Who even know it? who's playing one of the old line? You just said, I'm not going to name the name. Uh, it's not I somebody I work with. Uh, I mean, I, 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 whatever I'll tell you. It was Dave Rothenberg over. On okay. See, so you're a radio top. guy. You got to You got to shit talk now. It was, it was years ago. I don't even think he's a bad dude, but he claims to be Mr. Giant. This was like, he, and I think I tweeted at him, which I had to learn how to stop, you know, stop doing because I need to be a little more professional, like totally mixing Bobby up. needed to learn doing. how to stop doing that a couple of years ago. Yeah, too. it's tough. But I remember saying like, dude, you're supposed to be Mr. Giant here. Uh, what do you do? And I'm again, a long time ago. And he was like, oh, I knew that. But, you know, in case it's still not too late to move him. Like you didn't know that you didn't realize you weren't, pay- you weren't paying attention to the offensive line moves. But that's I to your point. I find that frustrating as a fan of a team. You want to hear guys know what they're talking about, not fake their way through it. Yeah. Just to make sure this. Clip gets sent to awful announcer. No, no, but I, I'm a big Dave Rothenberg guy, so this, I uh, am too. I'm not. Yeah, please. I don't. I don't need to clip be out the bad I'm things he here, said. Send it to awful announcing. Oh. Um, but I won't make that mistake with the Giants. Damn it. 
uh, we'll see. We'll see with the preseason. Like how <laughs> how 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 in tune are you with the six string tight end? You are Same you gonna Orlando be talking about are, going right are you guys going to be do shows from camp? Oh, that's a good question. I believe we will. I mean, again, we're waiting for the camp schedule to come out. Um, I yeah, believe we're already in talks. The first we start the week of July twenty fourth. So I don't think this is done yet. Maybe I shouldn't even be teasing this, but I'll just say we plan on going to one of the Subway Series games and doing a show from Hard Rock. Uh, we'll see if it matters for the Yankees and Mets in three weeks. But so I already know. Yeah, I already know. We might go to that. I, I get there, assuming camp starts the twenty seventh, or no, that's June. Yeah, I, I will probably be there July twenty fifth. So. Yeah, so right around then. So I mean, I know the breadcrumbs are already there to start doing remotes, but the WFN's always had a presence at camp. I guess it's a matter of what time uh, these practices are, right? Like uh, I, I've done camp shows in the past where there's morning practices and we're there and nobody's there except for Tatino eating pizza. And, uh, you know, you've seen the lawn get cut, but you have to pre-tape a lot of interviews. So I guess we'll see see exactly what happens, but I'd love to do a show from camp. And I guess that would be the plan if the schedule allows it. Fair, wow. fair. So you'll have to make your debut in the van this year. Yeah, let's go. As long as you got like gobstoppers or something, I'm in. When is Tiki coming on talking Justin, giants? I'm kidding, Justin. I just named the random candy with the candy in the van. Oh, I was like, what are gobstoppers? I never heard of them. When What'd is Tiki say? coming on the on talking giants? Uh, I mean, there's going to be an established relationship. I could probably get you guys Tiki. Maybe both of you guys get in the van for camp. I, I'm sure I'd have no issue with that. And Tiki, I, I say this genuinely. Um, this is not the first time I've worked with Tiki. He used to work at CBS Sports Radio. Tiki is a man of the people. Absolutely. I think he would absolutely do it. So if I'm your gateway to Tiki, I think that's great. I know some people haven't, but it's like, you should have forgiven Tiki by now if you're a Giants fan. Yeah. Yeah, One, I think that's like when he fir- his first day at WFAN, like I think he laid it all out. Oh, he, he And he owned up to it too. Yeah. He like Tiki, Tiki is actually like, an, maybe, hey, if you don't like him on the radio, don't like him on the radio. But it's like as like a Giants fan, it's like I think he's got like good perspective on a on a lot of different situations being there. Like and and again, Tiki, I mean Tiki's the best running back in this Giants franchise. Yeah, I, I would say to anybody in twenty twenty three, get over it now if you still don't like Tiki Barber. Like, uh, you guys are all a little younger than me, but we're all within within the same era. I mean, Tiki was everything to us. Was everything oh, to I us. I thought the I thought when Tiki retired, I was like Giants gonna have a horrible season yeah. they won the super bowl but that's how good tiki was that it's like this team right. cannot win without tiki that's how that's how good he was a newsflash he was in the huddle he was in the locker room eli might have been very skittish to use that word at times and guess what eli was allowed to change and grow up and he did tiki was speaking from that point of view so what you didn't like what he said about eli yes eli was our guy eli ended up proving that that was no longer the case but who's to say it wasn't the case it very well might have been the case and i will and i know this for a fact well, and there was some bitterness towards Coughlin there too, which yeah. is, I think Tiki, I think Tiki would look back and be like, okay, like seeing what Coughlin did, like he kind of had stuff figured out a little bit. Like Justin, before, before Coughlin changed and, and everything like that. Too, yes, so. of course, of course. And Coughlin gets credit for changing, so Tiki couldn't change over the years. And Justin, you go to way more giant games than me and Bobby do. Live close to the stadium, the whole deal. Um, you probably don't see Tiki Barber waving on the jumbo trying to point, but he's had a lot of games and a lot of sweets and stuff like that. 
Tiki Barber is a legitimate Giants fan. Like he actually cares about what the like he felt pain the last five years. Every time I would talk to him in the newsroom, he would come right up to me. We would we would talk Giants football. Like he's invested as a fan, which I think is important. So he's just as invested as the rest of us. But people, there's still some people out there saying they they don't like Tiki. You really have to get over yourselves. And I hope that this afternoon spot with me as a Giant fan with him will bring some of that out and people have a little more appreciation for him. All right, before we go back to our interview with Sean Morash, we got to talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make me look good. They make me feel good. And I'll tell you what, I've been wearing my bird dogs when I've been going out to eat. And when I pack in the food a little bit more, probably a little bit more than I should, bird dogs with their stretch fabric technology, they make me feel good and they make me feel kind of relieved, if you know what I'm saying. The pants don't get any tighter because they are supposed to stretch. They give me a truly sculpted look. They fit bird dog shorts, fit way better than regular shirts. They may they are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement because knowing me um, I'll be eating a steak one minute and then I'm running a 40 yard dash the next minute. That's what I do. And bird dogs also uses anti stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And Hey, if I'm running that 40 after I eat, that's exactly what I need. So go to birddogs.com slash giants for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash giants for a free Yeti style tumbler. You'll be glad you did. And back to talking with Sean Marash. Uh, we're getting ready to do our over unders episode in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know what to expect statistically from Daniel Jones. You know, I'm not <laughs> asking you for a stat line, but it's just a way of talking about Daniel Jones. Cause I was, I was thinking about that episode today and it's like, you have like, Warren Sharp, he shared like all the Giants' leading receivers in the games they won this year, and it's like it's insane. It's like Daniel Bellinger, Daniel Bellinger, Richie James, yeah. and and Darius Slayton. Like those are the only three. And it's like when people are like, yeah, the offense ran through Saquon. It's like, yeah, no shit. What other player do you think we should have ran this offense through? Um, like what? <laughs> uh, what would you you want us to run it through? Daniel Bellinger, like Richie James. Who who did you want us to run it through? Um, man. I, so you've, so you've watched his whole career so far. Mm-hmm. Every do game you at least think three we're times. going into this year? Do you think we're going to be like, hey, this guy, man, all you did need was the weapons to create big plays? Or do you think we'll have more big plays this year, but do you think we have an, an inherently more conservative quarterback? Which isn't oh, bad. It doesn't mean it's bad, but it can keep the, the ceiling a little low. So it's obviously the million-dollar question, and I think I hate to do this. This is very sports radio-y, but I'm going to go very in-between. I have been very pro look at Tua and look at Hurts the moment they got weapons. Darren Waller's there, but I don't think that we necessarily added A.J. Brown to go with a season Devontae Smith or Tyree Kill to go with Jalen Waddle. Like, I think we're still lacking a little bit in weapons. And, of yeah, course, are, how, but- how is the interior offensive line going to hold up versus pressure some of the, versus some of these D-tackles? That still affects everything as well. But here's the bottom line. Last year, what Daniel Jones was able to accomplish, accomplish with – the wide receiver injuries, not, you know, finally when he had a set kind of combo with Slayton and Hodgins and James down the stretches when he played his best football, the coaching staff learning Daniel Jones, the same offense they were running week one was not the same offense they were running week 17, clearly, mm-hmm. especially after the running game got figured out. Last year was like a tale of a com- couple 
different seasons. And Daniel Jones kept answering the bell. And it wasn't necessarily about the yardage or the touchdown passes. It was about putting the team on the back when he had to, including that Packer game, which I feel like is really the game Daniel Jones came alive and convinced everybody that he was a leader. Saquon goes out and he's dragging the team on one leg down the field. So I think the stats will increase. What I won't stand for is everybody focusing on touchdown passes when, oh, you know, whatever, he threw 17, 16 touchdown passes or whatever, 15, however it ended up being. And then it's, you know, you ignore the seven touchdown runs he has as if he should slide at the one every time and dump it off to a tight end to make sure the touchdown pass numbers are up. It's about total touchdowns. He's that kind of new age quarterback. But I do think those numbers will all go up. And by the way, they have to. Versus a tougher schedule, the Giants are going to have to score more points. But I think they will. I think this is now year two of the coaching staff. They're going to throw more at Daniel Jones. Does he look like a guy who can't handle that? Um, and I think by virtue, I don't know what the correct stat line is, but the Giants will score more touchdowns this year because Daniel Jones will be a better quarterback in this system with better weapons. That something much I that, know. Something that gets me a little excited is think about before Andrew Thomas got hurt in 2021 and with new additions, like weapons that were better. Kenny Galladay was actually good in that. Yeah, Galladay looked like a legit one. And it was second year in the Jason Garrett offense, which sucked. And Daniel Jones looked really good. He did. Like before the before the Andrew Thomas injury, it's like Daniel Jones is balling, and it wasn't just Giants fans getting excited. Like talks around the league, like this dude is balling. Yeah. Andrew Thomas gets hurt, he gets that concussion, and the season kind of spiraled after that. Even though he wasn't bad after that, he wasn't like at that balling level, you know. Where I, th- I think 2021 because he missed the last six games gets looked at as like, man, this bad year from DJ. It's like, no, you look at it deeper. There's some bad moments, but. He was pretty. He was pretty good within that offense, um, despite having like that really bad Bucks and and Rams game. What, um, what I can't stand is the moving of the goalposts of them, right? I mean, how how much that anybody doesn't, or I guess it was in terms. Happens of the on both fans. sides though, too, though. Yeah, but like, oh, he's such a turnover machine. Oh, he's now he's the least turned over quarterback per per snap and drop back in football for a long and time, you, too. By the way, yeah. Yeah, and then you move the goalposts, and now suddenly the turnovers didn't matter. It was all about passing yards and touchdowns. It's, it's crazy. The guy that, can't win. That got figured out. He figured that out halfway through 2020, a little to the detriment, um, because the first half of 2020, Daniel Jones still kind of had that Pat Shermer mindset and the Jason Garrett offense, and it just mixed like water and oil. It was really bad. That was yeah. That was, I think that was the longest stretch of just bad quarterback play from DJ, and then. I mean, you remember at the end of the 2020 season before Evan Ingram literally popped up another interception for him? No quarterback had went longer without an interception than Daniel Jones. Yeah. Then he didn't throw a single interception outside the Hail Mary in the Saints game until that Rams Week Six game. Yes. In wow, was- and so, and then last year, uh, obviously, you know, being number one in the league in interception rate, so that's obviously gotten a ton better. Um, um we, uh, John, you mentioned how they're going to score more touchdowns, right? Yes. Um, where do the Giants rank in total touchdowns during the first half of 2022 games? Top 12. First half. The first half of games. Not oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about last year. I thought you were making last you told me to make a prediction. Last year. No, no. Um, during the first half of games. Oh, they never scored in the first half, so it's got to be bottom five. Twenty one. Right. They were twenty first. Oh, wow, twenty first. Because how so many it's a games higher than you thought? Yeah, how many games did it feel like? Well, they we thought you were getting ready to set us up for like thirty second. I know. Yeah. I well, yeah. I, I thought I thought it. Was, I was I an idiot. I thought you were asking me for a prediction before that. Sorry. No, no, but I thought I thought it would be a little bit lower. Now in the second half, how many? T- uh, where do they? Where do they rank? And oh, that would be. Scored. I mean, I felt like most of their touchdowns happened in the second half. So, 
but they still didn't score a lot of touchdowns overall. I guess I'll use my generic top 12 They're answer 15th here. 15th in scoring. Yeah. I was going to say 12th, 11th. No, they were 6th. So, okay. Gives you a little bit of faith. Gives you gives you a little bit of hope. Hey, yeah. we're 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 a top 6 touchdown scoring team in the second half. Let's uh Let's and make that the first half, and then we're like a top 10, top five offense. Right. Then get back oh. to the running game in the second half if you have to. John, that's that's like my big thing this year, man. I I, I don't know how I want to roll it out. Uh, I, like, it's literally going to be like, you know how Bobby Skinner, like on the podcast apps, will sometimes will give like an impassioned speech, like draft day or before yeah. week one. That's my thing this year, man, where, you know, the, the Giants tried to do it last year. Like they actually operated backwards sometimes by th- they they tended to throw the ball a little bit more earlier in the game. And then the, when they were down by double digits, they started running and then they like came back in some of these games early in the year. I'm sorry. I, I don't think that's sustainable. I, I don't think giving Saquon Barkley the ball, you know, all, all these times and all these carries and all these touches. I mean, he had so many touches last year and you saw how it weighed on him. With a Brian Dable and Mike Kafka-led team, especially when you just paid a quarterback $40 million, he's getting $40 million per year, right? My approach to winning in the NFL and winning with this Giants team is more balance. I'm not even asking for a pass-first team. I'm asking for more balance, and the balance is going to show up by explosive plays early in the game, getting off to a better start, early down efficiency by passing on early downs, and not even expanding the field a ton, but just having Daniel Jones making quick, methodical decisions, getting the lead, and then that's when Saquon Barkley comes in the second half of the year. That is like my big freaking thing this year that I want to push out. That is my path to victory basically every single game for this Giants team. I don't disagree, and I know this kind of kills the you know Daniel Jones depth of target argument that people want that to go up, and I think they will stretch the field and go downfield more. But man, when you consider the speed of Paris Campbell, the speed of potentially Wandell Robinson, and then how they want to use Jalen Hyatt early in the year to try to get him on the field. I think that the best way to kind of, you know, get away from those early down runs is the classic use the short pass game to kind of count as the run game at times. And I think putting the yes. ball in those, talking about the speed all over the field, you're going to have, you know, weird, you know, whip around routes and two yard routes where you're hoping guys could take, take a two yard gain into a 12 yard gain. I think that's yes. going to happen a lot for the Giants early in the season. Yep, speed, 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 speed. That's it. After the catch, that's why they. That's why they have done the thing. And this even includes Wondell Robson, second round pick last year. You know, we, little little. Yeah, the game he got hurt in. They were doing all sorts of those plays. Right, right, right. right. And uh, and his average at the target that game was not anything spectacular. But right. he had over 100 yards receiving and and not a million catches. He didn't have 20 exactly. catches, 100 receiving yards. You know, he had you know a good amount of catches with yards after the catch. And that's why they drafted him. They drafted. You know, they kept Slayton for speed. They drafted Hyatt for speed. Um, that and, opens things up for Saquon and Jones to run the ball too. Yes, yeah, well, that's I agree. Over the field. I, I I really have the belief. Um, and Bobby has never like adamantly disagreed with me. I, I I do think there is a little bit of you know the run sets up the pass, but uh, I really think that the pass sets up the run. Like I think the yeah, threat of a passing game does set up the running game way more than the other way, other way around. Even though that's been like the cliche saying for football forever. Not that we have to spend too much time on this, but think about 2008. What made 2008 so special was. The Giants did a lot of that. They would pass in the first half. They would do that. And then how fun was it watching Brandon Jacobs and Bradshaw destroy teams in the second half because they'd broken their will and it had opened and their pass had set up the run. How who, great would it be to have that interviewing kind of Bobby? We were interviewing somebody from that 08 team. Was it Soybert or was it? It had to be Soybert who was talking about exactly this. And he, he said something along the lines of, it wasn't the, of course they had a good running team. Of course they had an all-time all-pro offensive line. 
but it was the threat of Plaxico Burris that yeah. took yeah. us out of the Jacobs, box. Brandon Jacobs. It was Jacobs that said that. Okay. Yeah. And it opened everything up in the second half of those games. Yeah. And they ran through teams in the second half. Yeah. Um, shout out Plaxico Burris. This yeah. interview is coming to an end. Will you be able to say goodbye without crying, Sean? <laughs> you guys are asses. First of all, I worked somewhere with great guys for 10 years. I'm still going to, I'm not going to see him as much because my hours are changing. Yes. Forbid people actually care about where they work with and the people they work with. I'm a big emotional tub of goo. All right. I know. And, I'm giving you shit because I, if I left talking giants, I would probably be at a little tear. Of course. Tearier. I mean, I get emotional when the draft is over. So I've cried at the end of five and 11 giant seasons. I, I mean, oh. I'm just, I cry. I'm a crier. It's, it's whatever. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's like the, the end of every, draft recap it's like emotional uh for me so i i had to give you a little bit of shit on that um and, and my favorite podcast like picked that up and i was like let's go and they didn't shit on yeah. you as much as i was hoping yeah so they did that was which is good but i'm sure there's still gonna be plenty of room for people to absolutely crush me i'm sure that's coming yeah i'm excited for you getting more just random tweets at you but you that's the thing you got to be with radio and this is where me and sean just start talking about radio it's like if you care about what people tweeted about you, just get off radio. Like, yeah, I agree. Like now, again, sometimes it's just like there is assholes on on radio, and but it's like no matter what you say, if you are on radio, you cannot like you just got to deal with criticism, and you can't dude, let it bother you. Dude, my entire junior high experience, I was a heavyweight, heavy set kid, and let's call it shopping in the husky section of Sears with a mushroom haircut and acne. I took a beating from kids. Kids were mm -hmm. brutal. I shed that and I got to the point where I entered high school and there was nothing anybody could say about me that I wasn't going to say about me first. And it completely changed my life. It disarmed everybody. I became semi-popular in high school as a result. And therefore, I've Ooh. always had this thick skin. Well, what are you going to say about me? I'm fat. I'm, so I'm an idiot. In high school. I'm bald. I'm this. I'm that. I've heard it all. Bring it on. Um... Thank you. Just say your takes suck. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten that too. If you Google worst sports radio take of all time, my name is the first one that comes up from the freaking big lead. What did you say? Which one is that? It was um, when San Diego State or San Diego Padres fans went nuts for San Diego State winning uh, in the final four and they were all oh, at Petco Park. That. I had said on the air, those aren't real San Diego State fans because no way during a final four game would you go to a Padre game. And the city of San Diego like melted down and said, <laughs> I was horrendous, and the big lead said I'm I mean, stupid. You can still for... root for, like, I'm not the biggest Miami Hurricanes fan. They're right. in the Final Four. I'm, but I'm no, like, no, no. rooting for them that, hard. You're right, Bobby. My point was I wanted to see real San Diego State fans at a bar or at home going nuts, not the ones who chose to go watch uh, Juan Soto play at a Padre game. You did not make the San Diego State your priority. But anyway, apparently that was the worst sports radio take of all time, according to the big lead. Obviously, our company is uh, a baseball company, and it is. <laughs> and I think they think like San Diego's fans are like the heart. It's like the smallest fan base of like yeah. baseball fans means like the more the most toxic like online community. Yeah, because they, they have an edge to them. They, it's yeah. almost like nobody could disrespect us, and if you are, we're going to kill you. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's the way people are with the Jags. Yeah, it's seventy. It's seventy degrees all year round. Why are they? Why are they toxic? Right. Exactly. Have you ever put on a pair of mittens and tried to snow blow? Get lost. I can never be toxic when wearing a robe indoors like I am right now. So yeah. um, how comfortable I am. Yeah. Hugh Hefner's embarrassed for you, Justin, to be honest. Um, so I'm excited. July 24th. Tough crowd. Win the, Tough crowd. July, July 24th. 
the debut of Evan yeah. and Tiki with Sean Marash. No name on the marquee, but I'll be there with an open microphone, baby. That's what I wanted to ask. Wait, no, um, I have a question. So can Bobby... I get a can I get like a streamline for my friend Tim from Florida to call in every once oh, in a while? That that's important. Yeah, I mean, we'll get Tim in Florida on the air. Like if if point. I texted you like, hey, my buddy Tim from Florida is going to call in. Can we make sure that gets on the on the air? And it's just between me and you. No one ever else knows. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody will know now since you guys have an extremely downloaded podcast. But uh, sure, oh, people don't. But know. They can know. It's, sure. it's the regular fair, radio. Can we, can we get the show off the air for a week before Tim in Florida's calling here? I, <laughs> I think he needs to be a first day caller. <laughs> first of all, we're, we're you're lucky that we didn't get you canceled both times that oh, we were on WFAN. That's right. Bobby joked both about times. the Al Qaeda and Bobby Taliban, not Al Qaeda. Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, and then your Thanksgiving stupid joke that day after the Giants Cowboy game is was it a joke. Yes, it was. Your uncle was not making macaroni and cheese or whatever the heck no, he was, it was making. It was and uh, lasagna. His trailer burnt down. Exactly. Yeah, it was um exactly. ravioli. No one wanted. Oh, I have a, hey, I have a serious hey, question. No one wants to admit they ate ten cans of ravioli, but I have a serious question, Sean. Yeah, I'm not asking to be on the fan. I'm okay. asking. I would like to come to the studio one day and get a tour. So come through. Just first of all, I I've been way more in touch I mean, with Bobby. He already works there number. at CBS Studios. You guys are in the same building, right? No, it doesn't count until Sean starts on July twenty fourth. Yeah, no, you can come, Justin. Uh, that's a weird thing to say, but you can come to the studios. Uh, fine. Just DM me on Twitter. Give me. I have Bobby's number. For some reason, I don't have your phone number. So um, yeah, just text me, man. We'll get you up there. You want to come meet Tiki, hang out, check out the show, come through. I don't want to meet anybody. You just want to see the studios. I just I just want to see the studio. All right. Yeah. And I want on. I want to see I want to see if anybody will recognize me, which nobody will. Boy, that I, I mean, and by the way, is there an ego more egotistical move than somebody recognizing me at the blackjacks table in AC? My God. Oh my God. Well, over well, I mean, first of all, I was shocked by that. <laughs> so that's why I that's why I I mean, what are the odds? I sit down at I'm not I'm not Frank Sinatra, but I sit down yeah. at you know a table in, in Atlantic City and Dude. you know you I mean, it's New, it's New Jersey, and you host the biggest Giants podcast. It is true. I get people that recognize me in like Rosses in Florida. But at I least walk around New York, and no, nobody, uh, not a soul, Dude, knows who I am. Nobody well, would one, recognize Mike Trout in New York City. Well, you you know, say, go to the one, summer. New York is a different animal. Second, even if people recognize you in New York, they don't say anything. It's true. Right. Good. Point. You know that I saw Zach Rosenblatt, Justin. This is when I was in the, for there for the draft. I was I was standing right next to Zach Rosenblatt. I was like, that looks like Rosenblatt. And I text him. I was like, are you on 37th Street? He's like, yeah. And I just didn't say anything to him. Because huh. I, was, I wasn't 100% sure it was Zach Rosenblatt. Did he but, say yeah? Yeah, it was him. Now, huh. to be fair, Zach Rosenblatt looks like every generic guy with a True. white guy with a, a big uh, I mean, a big beard. But I went to your tailgate and Bobby had barely said anything to me. I, it's just the way New York. That's not fair. You can never judge me about tailgates. Tailgates, it's nonstop, like just That's head spinning. Crazy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's Those like. It's like, you know, you know, any we're going to try and get players at the Fan Fest. Oh. Um, ooh, actually, you know what? That's an idea because all right, let me just keep my mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Um, all right, that's that's an interview. Sean Marash, we will see you uh, in training camp in about a month. Let's go and uh, you know, closing, thank you to anybody who's already sent me hate or anybody who's going to love the show. Looking forward to talking more Giants football on WFN afternoons. It's been long awaited and we're looking forward to it. You're at Sean Marash now, right? Yeah, that was the other thing. Management wanted me to change my Twitter handle because I had a Mraz nickname on CBS Sports Radio. And they were like, you're New York now. Cut the nickname stuff, which I was totally fine with. Like, I didn't even want the nickname to begin with. But yeah, I'm at my real name, Sean Morash on Twitter. So Sean Morash was just available and you never took it? 
Never took it. Uh, maybe like early on, it might have been like Sean Moore at CBS, but there was like a caller in Salt Lake City. Like nobody could pronounce my name for some reason, and it kind of became a funny gimmick that everybody in the show called me. So I just kind of submitted and gave into it for years. Uh, but no, that's that's over now. I'm just going by my name, and nobody had it. Are you excited for uh? Where's that more ass guy? Yeah, if you think I haven't heard more ass my whole life again, people are going to be in for a rude awakening. If you think you're the most the first person ever to say that to me, Jim, which Jim I'm sure people from, will be. Uh... Uh, Hampakawa, wherever the hell those places are in upstate. Uh, Pantakawa, where's that Morass guy? Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for coming on. See you. All right, guys. Enjoy. Take care. Hey, Sean, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your <laughs> Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right. Thank you to Sean Morass for coming on the show. Before we get out of here, we got to talk about SeatGeek. Hey, Daniel Jones was just at a Zach Bryan concert. I heard from somebody, Daniel Jones never used SeatGeek before. Don't know why. He doesn't have enough time. Daniel Jones never left his house for four years before he signed his contract. Now he left his house. Use SeatGeek. Downloaded SeatGeek, the number one ticketing app around the world. He used promo code Giants for $20 off his first purchase for Zach Bryan tickets. Lo and behold, he bought tickets, but he was invited on the stage and he was singing songs. So how bold of Zach Bryan, by the way, if you didn't see the video of Daniel, he goes on, he sings a couple bars, sings a couple verses of apparently this good country singer. And the guy doesn't even wait till Jones is off the stage. Jones sings his verse. And then the guy drops go birds. The goal. The audacity to do that while the Giants quarterback is literally on the stage. Absolutely crazy. So, Shoot him. <laughs> some are saying. Shoot Daniel, him. There, there are multiple pictures of Daniel Jones holding guns out there. So, Zach Bryan should have known that. Um, but Daniel Jones went to SeatGeek, and he left his house for the first time in four years. Now they got $40, $40 million a year. And if you don't know what SeatGeek is like Daniel Jones, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. They have 28 million downloads. SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. Like I said, there are 70,000 events every day on SeatGeek, including sports concerts, Zach Bryan concerts, festivals, and so much more. And every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. We've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Click the link in the description to download the app. Daniel Jones coming out of his shell. Cool. Like to see it. He's having a fun time. Or at least he's having a fun time, and now there's a camera on him this offseason. You'll be glad. Yeah, you'll be glad you did. Um, All right. Good stuff. Thanks again for Sean uh, Sean Rash coming on. We'll definitely have him on. through, we'll get him in the van sometime during training camp. Excited to excited to see how how things work for him at, at the fan and how they do with post post uh, Carton, who I think Carton was like a love or hate guy. So I'm interested to see how this show gets uh, received. And I am I don't listen to radio, but I truly am a radio nerd. Like I read everything Awful Announcing says about radio. Andrew Marshan, I read all of his stuff. Like I guess it's just sports media in general. Like I'm nerdy because I'm in sports media now. Yeah. I mean, the especially you know living in the tri-state area and you know just clicking it just on means it. more there it than it does more. anywhere in the world. It, it it means more for sure, and especially in the New York market. But I mean, just knowing, you know, hey, even just remembering what you know the when Bobby and I first got together, there's a transition. You got to feel each other out. You know, I, I know certain things to set up Bobby, and you know, and what's going to get him riled up. I'm sure Bobby knows. 
you know, and sets up some talking points in certain ways that he knows what's going to get me fired up and, you know, what, you know, his strengths, what my strengths are. It's going to take time for, I'm sure those, it's going to take time for them to figure out, especially because they are smart and they're knowledgeable. So they need to kind of figure out, you know, what are they smart and knowledgeable about? What do they have in common and stuff like that? And there's going to be people in the beginning, just like with anything that are going to say that they hate it. And then a couple months in tweet at Sean Morass saying he sucks. Don't, don't do that. Say you suck. Sean Marash. We'll do that. No, but I'm uh, excited. Yeah. All right, so we'll be back Friday. It's our 4th of July mailbag. It's once a year. We, um, once a year, we we answer questions that are not Giants related. You can ask us questions about, uh, just questions about us, hypotheticals, whatever. So, and Danny King and Snacks will be on it, which I know makes for a long show and makes some of the questions a little tougher. But we're going to do our best to answer as many as possible. Even though it's gonna be, I'm gonna so just reply to the tweet on Talking Giants. I'm gonna retweet it again right now, just so it's fresh on the feed. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll get into it. Uh, so we'll see you Friday, Fourth of July mailbag. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>